Have you been going around the internet looking for the Oregon Baseball Podcast? Well, you've just found it. On the Dugout Report, we'll cover not only the latest news from across Major League Baseball, but we'll also analyze and break down the hottest games, players, stats, and takes from every aspect of the game, including from on the field, in the Dugout and Clubhouse, from the front office, and so much more. As longtime White Sox broadcaster Ken the Hawk Harrelson would say, sit back, relax, and strap it down. This is the Dugout Report Podcast with Andrew Caruso. Hello everyone and a very happy Sunday to you wherever you may be. This is episode 10 of the Dugger Report on this Sunday, July 31st, 2022. I am your host, Andrew Caruso, returning the mic after a two-week absence. More on that in a little while. Anyways, on this episode, I'll give a recap of everything All-Star Week, including the Futures game, Home Run Derby, the draft, and the actual All-Star game itself. Next, I'll give my thoughts on the first major deal of trade deadline season, which is the Yankees' acquisition of Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals. After that, I'll look at the top three series on the schedule up for the upcoming week, and why those matchups should be must-watch. Lastly, to cap off the episode, I'll read your thoughts on the state of the week, now that we're at the halfway mark of the season. First, first off, I hope everyone is doing well. It feels good to be back in front of the mic after taking the past two weeks to recover from the surgery I had on July 12th. Thank you all for your messages of support and well wishes on social media during the recovery period. I really appreciated the kindness. Also, I hope you enjoyed the whole of Class of 2020 preview special that I released a couple weeks ago. I actually recorded that episode on the Sunday before my surgery because I didn't want you all to have to go two whole weeks without any new content. I hope you enjoyed learning about each inductee more in depth because a lot of time, energy, and research went went into that special. There's always a bit of research involved in every episode, but I needed to do the most research possible using Baseball Reference, the Hall of Fame website, and Wikipedia to get the facts right and accurate for each individual to make sure the episode turned out the highest quality possible. I'm looking forward to making this a yearly special on the show in the years to come. Anyways, I'm fully healed, so it's back to work. Uh-huh. If you missed the whole of them special or the end or the last regular episode from a few weeks ago, you can listen to those episodes and previous editions of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Also, I want to remind you, you can follow the show on Twitter at DugoutRepPod. That's Dugout R-E-P-Pod. While you're at it, follow my, my personal Twitter feed and my Instagram page at AndyCaruso77. Posting on, postings on Instagram are almost non-existent, so Twitter is the primary place to follow and connect with me as well as the show. There's enough social media talk for one day, we've got a lot to cover, so we can't waste any more time. And with that being said, let's head up, head into the dugout to talk baseball. off our top story of the day is everything All-Star Week 2022, including the Home Run Derby, amateur draft, and of course the actual game itself. 
This year's All-Star Week occurred from July 16th to 19th, starting with the annual MLB Features Game on the 16th, which featured the top prospects from the AL and NL going after it. The AL 164 Oakland catching prospect Shea Wangweers taking up MVP honors thanks to a key home run, which was his only hit of the game, to set the junior circuit on the path to victory. As for the other participants in the game, 28 of the 50 players are ranked on MLB's top 100 prospects list, with two five participants coming from the top 10. The five players from the top 10 were Mets catching prospect Francisco Alvarez, who is ranked number two overall, Diamondbacks outfielder number three ranked Corbin Carroll, Orioles infielder and number five ranked Gunnar Henderson, and St. Louis, St. Louis third baseman number seven ranked Jordan Walker, and Yankee shortstop number eight ranked Anthony Volpe. But since um, since the game, Alvarez has moved up to the number one prospect in baseball. So this so when I did it, he was number two. So just ignore that. Anyways. Another highlight of the game was a 100.5 mile per hour throw from Cardinals prospect Mason Wynn in the top of the second, which broke a record on Statcast in the middle of a middle infielder's throw, which was set by O'Neill Cruz just a few days prior to the game. So a new, so his record, Cruz's record only lasted a couple of days before Wynn broke it. British ready. Yosemite Zuleta was credited with the win, and the Yankees' Ken Wojtaszek earned the save. Save. In additional language, the Yankees' Jason Dominguez and Minnesota's Matt Walner went deep. This marks the AL's first win since the AL-NL format for the Futures game was adopted, adopted in 2019. That year's contest ended in a 2-2 tie, and the NL's one's last year's content, contest in Colorado. The second major event of All-Star Week was the first-year player draft, which ran from Sunday the 17th to Tuesday the 19th, with rounds 1 to 3 occurring on Sunday, rounds 3 to 10 on the Monday, and the last 10 rounds on the Tuesday. The first night was held at the Xbox Live Plaza in LA. The Baltimore Earls had the top pick, and with that pick, they selected outfielder Jackson Holiday from Stillwater High School in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Jackson is the son of Matt Holliday, who spent 15 years in the majors and an outfielder and first baseman, most notably with St. Louis and Colorado. Jackson Holliday signed on July 21st with an $8.19 million bonus in his contract. The top prospect in this year's draft, Drew Jones, was selected number two overall by Arizona. And honestly, I had Drew Jones going number, number one overall, but I guess I was wrong. Anyways... Jones is the son of another notable former big leader, leaguer, longtime Braves outfitter, and 17-year big leaguer Andrew Jones. Fortunately, the younger Jones suffered a shoulder injury then out for the year. Other notable selections include the Rangers selection of former Vanderbilt standout pitcher Kumar Rocker at number three, after Rocker failed to sign with the Mets last year. At number four, the Pirates selected first baseman Tamar Johnson out of Mays High, out of Mays High School in Georgia. And he signed uh, just today, actually. So, with the number five pick, Washington selected outfielder Elijah Green from IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. With their consolation pick for failing to sign Rocker last year, the Mets selected catcher Kevin Pareda from Georgia Tech, number 10 overall. 
The Yankee selection of Vanderbilt outfielder Spencer Jones at number 25. The Cubs selection of pitcher Kate Horton at, from Oklahoma at number 7. And the Royal selection of Virginia Tech outfielder Gavin, Gavin Cross at number 9 were other top selections on day 1. Jumping ahead to days 2 and 3, the Angels selected right-handed pitcher Ben Joyce from Tennessee on day 2. Joyce was known for riding up the radar gun in triple digits digits in college, so having MLB caliber stuff makes this pick up one of the top in the draft. Also on day two, the Dodgers selected, selected Virginia lefty Brandon Neek out of the, in the 10th round. Why I bring this particular pick up is that because Neek went to my high school, so it's pretty awesome to see someone from my town, which is a relatively small town, get the call to the pros. I can't wait to follow his journey to the show along with a few other local guys who are in MLB organizations, such as such as last year's number one overall pick by Pittsburgh, Henry Davis, and Seattle's George Kirk and Seattle's George Kirby. Although he got to the got the call to the show earlier this year. If you want a full recap of the action, go to MLB's website. This segment was only meant to provide a recap. I should note that the deadline for picks to sign with their clubs is tomorrow, August 1st, 5 p.m. Eastern. Were you happy? Were you happy with the picture team made this year? The Yankees made some great picks, especially the one with Spencer Jones. Still, I want to hear your thoughts. Let me know. The next major event of All-Star Week was the annual T-Mobile Home Run Derby, which was held on Monday, July 18. This year's derby featured eight participants, two-time defending champ Peter Wanza of the Mets, Ronald Acuna Jr. of Atlanta, Juan Soto of the Nationals, rookie phenom Julio Rodriguez of Seattle, Jose Ramirez of Cleveland, Corey Seager of Texas, Kyle Schuller of the Phillies, and Albert Pujols of the Cardinals. Alonzo's quest for a third consecutive title came to an end when he was knocked out by Julio Rodriguez in the second round, with, who hit 32 homers compared to Alonzo's 23. Rodriguez also opened up the derby by hitting, hitting 32 homers in the first round. An upset also occurred in the first round when 42-year-old Pujols hit 20 homers to eliminate Kyle Schwarber, although Pujols himself was eliminated in the second round by Juan Soto. The final round of the derby featured Soto and Julio Rodriguez, and despite his hot hitting all night, Rodriguez was eliminated in the final by, by Soto, who was crowned champ with a slim 19-18 victory over Rodriguez. All in all, it was a very exciting and action-packed packed derby. Big congrats to Soto on his victory, although I was rooting for Alonso at the start of everything for a 3P. No pun intended. <laughs> Last, but certainly not least, to cap a Star week with the actual All-Star game on Tuesday, July 19 from Dodger Stadium in LA. The 92nd of the game, 92nd edition of the game, with a close 3-2 victory for the AL, giving, the, giving them their ninth straight All-Star victory, thanks to two clutch homers by the Yankees to Carlos Danton, who was named the game's MVP in his childhood, where he used to attend MLB games growing up, and the Twins' Byron Buxton, who was named, named starter in place of Mike Trout due to injury. Trout was actually diagnosed with a very rare back condition, a, condition a couple of days ago and uh, I just feel bad for the guy um, you know it could very this you know it could very well impact the rest of his career um, anyway however the amount jumped out early thanks to an RBI single by Mookie Betts which got Ronald Acuna Jr. 
After that, Manny Machado got the AO to induce Ohio at 4-6-3 double play to empty the bases. However, the NL got their other run thanks to a solo homer by the next batter, first baseman Paul Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt of the Cardinals off AO starter Shane McClanahan of Tampa. Starting for the NL was lefty southpaw Clayton Kershaw of the hometown Los Angeles Dodgers. Another player info, NL starters Wilson and William Contreras, who started at catcher and designated hitter respectively, became the first pair, became the fifth pair of brothers to start an all-star game in the Midsummer Classic together, and the first since Roberto and Sandy Elmore Jr. in 1997. As I correctly predicted in the episode a few weeks back, Albert Pujols of St. Louis and Miguel Cabrera of Detroit were named were named the Commission of Legacy Selections for the game. Pre-game ceremonies included a tribute, tribute to the Robinsons, Jackie and Rachel, in honor of the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking baseball's color line, with actor Denzel Washington and L and L outfielder Mookie Betts leading the tribute. I gotta say the Robinson tribute was very incredible. It was an incredible tribute, and uh, you know it was very well done by Denzel Washington and Mookie Betts. If you haven't seen the tribute, it's incredible. The video is online, so I'm gonna uh, you can go look it up. Uh, lastly, Flamber Valdez of Houston was tagged with tagged with the victory, while Emmanuel Classe of Cleveland earned the save. Tony Gonsolin of Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers was tagged with the ball. All in all, it was a very exciting All-Star week. I want to know, what was your favorite part? My favorite part had to be the, be the big game. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Next year's All-Star game will take place at T-Mobile Park in Seattle, home of the Mariners, and the logo for that was unveiled last week. Let the countdown begin. I think it's time for a short break, so more news is coming up. Don't go away. Welcome back. Our next big story surrounds the first major move of trade deadline season, as on the evening of July 27th, the New York Yankees acquired outfielder Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for minor league righty, minor league righty Beckway, who was with the Yanks' number 21 prospect by MLB and Chandler Champlain. Also going to KC was Southpaw T.J. Sycamore which ranked the number 19 prospect in the Yankees organization. In 93 games this year, Benintendi hit 316 with 3 homers and 39 RBIs. He also had a 383 OBP, 393 slugging percentage, and a 776 OPS. Excuse me. He was named an All-Star this season, making the Yankees the first team to have three All-Star outfielders since the 2009 Phillies. Thanks to the Yes Network for providing that tidbit of info during last night's telecast. Last year, Benintendi won a gold glove in the outfield. He returns to the AL East after spending the first four years of his career with the Yankees rival, the Boston Red Sox. In his Yankee debut last night, Benintendi went hit with hit miss in four at bats. But the Yankees won the game one to nothing thanks to a walk-off homer by Aaron Judge in the top of the ninth inning after being held to one hit the entire game. Judge's third walk-off homer this year tied Mickey Mantle for the most in one year in Yankee history. Now I'm not gonna get now I'm not gonna get into the whole uh, Benintendi vaccine uh, fiasco, 
gave me. So, uh, but you can read more about on that, more about that online. You're probably intrigued to hear my thoughts on the big deal. As a Yankee fan, I really like this trade. Obviously, I would have liked for the Yankees to get 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 Juan Soto, but this is a really solid upgrade. The left field position has been a lackluster, lackluster, lackluster this year thanks to Joey Gallo's abysmal season. Benintendi also adds a solid top of the order ordered bat behind DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge, and ahead of Giancarlo Stanton and Anthony Rizzo. Assuming Gallo is the odd man out via trade, an outfit of Benintendi, Aaron Hicks, and Judge is going to be solid. When Stanton comes back from his injury, that top of the order is going to be scary. Benintendi also provides a glove, a lefty bat, and some speed, making this the ideal pickup for the Yanks, especially if they have their eyes on October. We just need a starter and maybe a bullpen arm or two, and we are set. The trade deadline is August 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, meaning we could see a number of big stars on the on the move over the weekend. I'll give my thoughts on some of the biggest moves of the moves of the deadline on next week's episode. Stay tuned. Let me know what you folks think. Folks think about the first first move of the trade season. Next up, we're gonna preview the top three series in baseball for the upcoming week of August 1st. That's coming up, so don't go away. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Our next major topic of the episode is for this week is previewing the top three series for the next week, August 1 through August 8. I'll tell you a little, about, a little bit about the teams involved and why you should tune in to that series. Let's go. The first must-watch series of this upcoming week is the Yankees series versus the Mariners, kicking off on Monday at Yankee Stadium. In my opinion, this is a must-watch series because both teams have October ambitions, and all they've done at various points this year is win. On the hitting side, you, you have All-Stars Ty France and Julio Rodriguez for Seattle, and for New York, you've got Alan Judge, Giancarlo, and Giancarlo Stanton, among others. As for pitching, both pitching staffs are led by all-star pitchers in Robbie Ray and Garrett Cole, respectively. This could be very well be a potential ALDS matchup come October. So if you want to preview what could come later, you should watch this series. Actually, you have two chances because the, the two teams meet again at the beginning of next week, August, August 8 in Seattle. I say the Yanks are taking this, series, this week's series two games to one. The second must-see matchup in our f- is our featured divisional or rivalry matchup for this episode, and that matchup is the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers going after it, also starting on Monday in San Francisco. While the Dodgers had a great year, the Giants' year has been up and down. They are currently third in the NL West division, and the Dodgers are on top. What makes this matchup a marquee is that both teams, like like the Yanks and Mariners, have are filled with top stars. For San Fran, you've got Jock Peterson, Logan Webb, and Brandon Crawford, Carlos Rodon, and a few others. For LA, you've got Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Clayton Kershaw, and Freddie Freeman, just to name a few. This matchup isn't very high stakes, but it's still a great one. In this four-game set, 
I say it's a split, with each team winning two games. The West must watch series this week between the Astros and Guardians in Cleveland, kicking off on Thursday. In kicking off on Thursday. While this series isn't as high-profile as some of the others in this segment, both teams are talking for October. October baseball. The Guardians currently hold second place in the AL Central, and the Astros hold, hold first in the West. Similarly, both teams have players, players that star in the MLB. For Cleveland, you have Andres Jimenez, Jose Ramirez, Shane Bieber, and Emmanuel Clase, and a few others. For Houston, you have Jose Altuve, Altuve, Justin Berlander, Jordan Alvarez, and Alex Bregman, among others. For this series, I, I say it's fair to predict this foot. This is a four-game set. It'll be interesting to see how all these series I've listed this week will play out. Do you, do you agree with my selections? Are there any others that I missed that we think should, that you think should be talked about more? Let me know. We're getting close to the end of the episode, but the social media segment is coming right up, so don't go away. Welcome back. To cap off to cap off this week, it's time for the social media segment. Now as I said in the beginning of the episode, this week I asked you to submit your thoughts on the current state of baseball. Now that the second half is fully underway, let's dive in. And unfortunately we didn't receive any replies this week on social media. And you probably already heard my thoughts on on um, where things are headed for the Yankees in the second half and earlier during the Benintendi segment and just to briefly recap what I said was uh, we got Andrew Benintendi you know we don't need Juan Soto and I think that's good uh, obviously our starting pitching is pitching is you know could use an arm or two mainly Luis Castillo or a couple Jose Quintana or a couple others uh, for the bullpen, we've we've lost some major bullpen arms, or they've some bullpen arms have underperformed. So David Robertson, uh, David Robertson, um, you know, a couple Gregory Soto of Detroit, or a couple others could be beneficial to the Yankees. Uh, you know, I think the you know the postseason. I don't think you know. I think we might not see. We might see some very tight races coming into the division, uh, especially in the East, the National East. Maybe you know, maybe the West. You know, definitely a few tight, tight divisional races to down to the last game to determine who goes to October. Uh, so those are basically my thoughts on the current state of baseball. So. You know, a few teams. There are a lot of key names on the move, and I hope the teams, I hope teams choose wisely. And especially if you're in a play, a playoff caliber team, I hope they pick players that will help them get to October. Um, you know, like I said, it's going to be a lot of tight divisional races, down to the last game. Questions of who stays, who goes, who's a buyer, who's a seller. Wolf, Wolf. We'll find all that out within the coming weeks, coming days and weeks. At the season, uh, we approach August and September and the first few days of October. You know, we'll find all that information out. So, 
uh, you know, I'm sorry that none of you guys got, sorry uh, that we didn't get any replies this week. Uh, if you missed your since if you missed your chance, you can always submit next week on the on the Twitter page for the show. I'll post the so I usually post the social media segment there a few days before I go go to record. So be on the lookout. We've sadly reached the end of the episode, but closing remarks are coming right up. So don't so keep listening and don't go away. Stay tuned. So that concludes the end of episode 10 of the Zelda Report. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Once again, as a reminder, you can follow the show on Twitter at DougoutRepPod and my personal Twitter and Instagram pages at AndrewForRusso77. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Please share this episode with your friends and on social media. That's it for this week, and so this is your host, Andrew Caruso, signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everyone.